Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. Ben Burnley is an MTSU alumnus with a rare opportunity ahead of him. With a bachelor's degree from Florida State and a master's degree from MTSU already on his resume, he'll begin his doctoral candidacy at Georgetown University in the fall. Studying political science at Georgetown, which is in the nation's capital, is exciting enough, but Burnley also will pursue another master's degree in public policy there at the renowned McCourt School of Public Policy. We'll talk about some of the remarkable things this young man has done and will do after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Two MTSU students have captured top prizes in the undergraduate category of a national contest to create public service announcements about cancer prevention. The Meharry Vanderbilt TSU Cancer Partnership's Five Alive video challenge gave health-minded college students an opportunity to produce messages of health they thought would reach their generation. Contest participants were told to raise awareness with five cancer prevention strategies, receiving the HPV vaccine, avoiding tobacco, eating healthy, getting physical activity, and using skin cancer protection. Macy Taylor, a Smyrna, Tennessee resident who earned her bachelor's degree in public health from MTSU last December and will enter MTSU's master's program in public health this fall, won first place and a $500 gift card. Addison Eifert, a junior public health major from Murfreesboro, captured second place and earned a $300 gift card. And the MTSU Creamery will sell both white and chocolate milk at the Murfreesboro Saturday Market from 8 a.m. to noon every Saturday through September 26th. This marks a first-time farmer's market-type venture for the Creamery, which started in 2017 and is part of the MTSU School of Agriculture's Dairy at the farm at Las Casas, Tennessee, and the milk processing plant in back of the Stark Agriculture Center on campus. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Ben, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Absolutely, Jenna. Thanks for having me. Will you have a particular area of research focus at Georgetown? Yes. Uh, generally speaking, it will be American politics uh, of the subfields available in political science. Um, and where it goes from there, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. What was the application process like? Were you on pins and needles or were you pretty sure that uh, everything would work out well? My master's degree at uh, MTSU is typically a two-year program. And um, at the end of my second year, in the middle of my second year, I had applied for just one uh, school. At, I applied for Vanderbilt's political science program. I was unsure whether or not uh, the PhD was for me and whether I wanted to go into academics as a career. Um, and I ended up not getting in that year. I decided to take a third year, sort of extend my study, extend the scope of my thesis. And so I broadened my scope, applied to a bunch of schools. And I really was not sure whether or not I would hear back and hear positive news. I applied to about 10 programs and um, Georgetown was the one yes. And as they say, you really only need one uh, to say yes. And I was, I was thrilled that it was Georgetown. 
You uh, graduated from MTSU in three years, and you wrote on your Twitter account that you are a much better student because of it. How so? You know, the faculty really invested in my growth. They really, um, I think because the program was small and because I was able to really form relationships with professors that do this already and, and can really pour into uh, my growth. You know, I came in to the program as a, a former musician and I'm, I'm leaving as, you know, I feel like a, a, you know, junior social scientist. And I think that that speaks to their ability to um, not only teach in the classroom, but really build the skills that, you know, I needed to succeed both in, in this program and then going forward. So I definitely appreciate um, my professors and the faculty at the uh, Media and Communication Program. Are there any uh, particular professors who stand out for you? I had a great experience with all of them, but the, the, the three that I worked with the closest, um, my essentially my advisor and my mentor, Dr. Jason Reinecke, was definitely um, the one that I worked closest with and the one that, that really guided me through this process. The ups and downs of applications, the first try at writing something like a thesis, there's a little bit of hand-holding necessary and he was more than patient uh, with me the entire way and I appreciated that. Dr. Ken Blake, also in media and communication, helped with some of the stats side of my thesis and also was, was actually my first professor at MTSU. I took my electives in the political science department uh, because I was interested in political science and, and I wasn't sure of the degree to which I wanted to study it. But luckily, I was able to enroll in Dr. Andre Korobkov's American Foreign Policy course. He was gracious enough to have a media and communication student come in and, um, and take a risk on me. And he ended up sitting on my thesis chair as well. So the three of them absolutely changed the trajectory of my career. Their, their ability and their willingness to sit with me uh, through it all was, was much appreciated. What is your hometown? So I uh, grew up in Orlando, Florida, and um, most of my family lives in the Atlanta area. Um, with really the exception of my mom and dad are the only ones that live in Florida. So I've bounced between Orlando, Atlanta, and Nashville, essentially. So how did you end up here? I mean, do you have relatives in Nashville too? No. So yeah, when I, when I graduated from FSU, me and a friend moved here. He got a job at Vanderbilt as a nurse, and I was just coming to do the, the Nashville singer-songwriter thing. Um, and I ended up getting a gig playing guitar with a band that I knew from Orlando um, and, and was able to, we, we actually, they were located, long story, in Atlanta. And so for a couple of years, I bounced back and forth between Nashville and Atlanta um, when we weren't traveling and, and things like that. And so, um, yeah, that, that was, I came to Nashville uh, for, music and ended up, you know, finding MTSU and having it be sort of this big transformational thing. So. Tell me about this former life of yours as a musician, or is it continuing? Was that what you aspired to be initially before political science turned you on? When I was young, I loved playing music. It was what I spent my time doing. And when it came time to think about college, something serious like that, I, I tried to find a way to make music the way I was going to spend my time. And that's actually what I majored in at Florida State University. I got a BA in music with a 
focus in French horn performance. I did that and loved that and had sort of cultivated the ability to play other instruments along the way. And so when I finished up at Florida State, I actually moved to Nashville with the uh, express, you know, wish, wish to play music. So um, I did that. I played guitar in a band for about five years, toured the country in a van. It was a lot of fun and I'm thankful for that experience, but it's, you know, it's hard to make it in the music business long-term. And so just sort of as that band was, was deciding to kind of go our separate ways, I really plugged into the 2016 election and was really trying to understand more of what was going on, both on a policies end and in the media. And that's sort of what, what, you know, aided that transfer from music to uh, political communication, political science. How often are you mistaken for that other Benjamin Burnley, the uh, lead <laughs> um, singer of Breaking Benjamin? A lot, actually. Uh, you know, there's just a funny thing. When I first set up my music page, within days I started getting, uh, this was, you know, gosh, back probably 2010, 2011, set up a, a personal music page and immediately started getting uh, letters, you know, or Facebook messages from fans. And uh, I was like, wow, this is great. Uh, and lo and behold, they were they were not my fans. They were fans of uh, another Benjamin Burnley. But you got to do a lot to beat that Google result. So um, yeah, it's it's it was a funny, a funny day to learn that, that uh, there was already a famous musician with my name. We'll take a break here. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERRA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERRA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to TERRA, which has members in 20 states and seven nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Concrete Industry Management Program at MTSU fills the need for trained personnel who know concrete technology and techniques. Our alumni go into the marketplace grounded in basic math and science and able to promote products or services related to the industry. Our participation in the academic common market ensures talented students in other states a chance to enroll on an in-state tuition basis. This is Dr. Heather Brown, director of the program. To find out more information on this or other university programs, visit mtsunews.com. The Tennessee Civil War National Heritage Area is managed by MTSU Center for Historic Preservation. A partnership unit of the National Park Service, the Heritage Area tells the whole story of America's greatest challenge, offering assistance with Civil War and Reconstruction Era programs. Our projects include historic driving tours, museum exhibits, and nominations to the National Register of Historic Places. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking with Ben Burnley, who will be pursuing a uh, doctoral degree at Georgetown University and also going for a master's in public policy at the same time. He already has a master's degree from MTSU, which is why we're talking to him. Your 2019 MTSU Scholars Week poster was titled News Feeds and Salience. How social media use feeds news awareness. Could you explain the thrust of that presentation? Yeah, this was one of the, the first serious research projects I did at MTSU. I came in knowing that I wanted to look at social media and its effects 
on politics and the way we perceive politics. This project mostly centered around the idea that two of the most common social media platforms, Facebook and Twitter, revolve around this idea of a timeline. And when you open up the page, you see a, a, a list of posts that often are placed there because of an algorithm. You, you know, it used to be that, that it was a, a chronological telling of how other people, the, the order in which other people posted their, um, their stories. But the more these, these platforms grew, the more they relied on algorithms to sort of give you content that they thought you would engage with or thought that you would interact or, or, or have some sort of connection with. My question in that was, does simply choosing to use Facebook or Twitter affect how, how closely you follow different types of news? And the main finding was simply that those that use Facebook tend to have a smaller scope in their news salience, that is their awareness of what's going on. Facebook is really helpful in keeping you interactive with neighborhood news most notably. That term's a little strange because maybe not everyone lives in what you would classically consider a neighborhood. Some people live in cities and apartments. But the way I, that we sort of thought about it was this is the news of the, the people that are closest to you, sort of the going-ons of people that maybe you see every day. The opposite was true with Twitter followers. With Twitter followers, you just simply by using the site, your awareness of international and national news picks up much above the average of, um, say, say, just a Facebook user or the average individual. You know, there's so much going on on Twitter that is news companies, journalists, politicians, that simply just being in that ecosystem raises your awareness of what's going on on the international and national stage. Do you think that the inventors of those two respective social media platforms had that in mind when they invented those platforms? Or do you think that it's just the way things panned out as consumers chose to use it? It's a great question. I think there's some intention behind it, but I also think that there's sort of this organic process. I, in the paper, I, I talk about Facebook, when it started, was a way to essentially connect online with your real life circle of friends. In fact, the, the mechanism you use on Facebook is you friend someone. You ask them to be your friend and then they accept. There's this reciprocal relationship where you have to sort of agree that you want to see each other's posts, pictures, baby pictures, cat pictures, you know, ideas on politics. There's that understanding that, oh, we know each other and we're going to exchange that. You don't have that on Twitter. You can follow someone and they don't even have to pay you any mind. They don't have to follow you back and they may, may not even know that you follow them. And so in that sense, Facebook does just by design, mimic more of a social network in, in the literal sense. Whereas Twitter, I think, just simply by design, encourages a type of behavior that is more like news consumption. Are you particularly good at quantitative analysis, crunching the numbers and analyzing the metrics, or are you more of a theory political scientist? This is a great question. When I entered my time at MTSU, I was terribly afraid of the math side of things. I really thought I would be leaning more towards the theory side. 
And again, credit to my professors for sort of walking me off the cliff from the, the fear of math. I remember in Dr. Blake's intro, uh, the science of communication course, which is sort of you uh, dipping your toes in uh, sort of quantitative analysis using different computer programs. He sort of said, you know, you don't have to necessarily be great at math to do this work. You have to be great at interpreting what the computer is telling you. The computer is going to do the math for you. And as long as the inputs are good and, the, and you can decode the outputs, you're going to be okay. And so I think that sort of calmed my fears. And over my time at MTSU, I became much more of a quantitative person. I love the theory side. I could sit and talk theory and, and read theory all day, but so much of the methodology in, in all a social science is leaning so much heavier on quantitative. So I feel like that's become my home now. Also on your Twitter feed, you point uh, to an article by the nonprofit Think Tank, Think Tennessee, about the estimated cost of expanding mail-in voting during the November election. Talk about that a little bit, because it has been a large part of the conversation as we approach November with the pandemic looming over us about whether or not there should be uh, mail-in voting. This spring, um, I, I accepted an internship, a research assistantship, really with Think Tennessee, which is a nonprofit, um, nonpartisan think tank located in Nashville focused on um, Tennessee politics, civic engagement, and economic sustainability. You know, when I started, I didn't know what I was going to be dipping uh, or getting myself into. You know, now the, the pandemic and sort of what it means for all sorts of policy has become our main focus. And so the most recent thing that, that we've, we've done is this two-page um, recommendation on how the state should approach mail-in voting in the fall. Most specifically, that there is a large bipartisan support for expanding absentee voting for this coming election due to fears because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and in our research and in some of the stuff that I've helped out with has been to show that the state does have the funding to do so and that we could expand voting through the existing absentee system for this fall so that everyone has a safe option to both maintain their voice in our democracy, but also to take the necessary precautions if they're living with someone who is particularly vulnerable or if they're just in, in general afraid to go out and be stuck in uh, a poll line, say similar to something that we saw in Wisconsin with their primary a couple months ago. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Tennessee Early Childhood Training Alliance, or TECTA, works to improve the quality of child care in Tennessee by establishing a statewide training and professional recognition system. Through TECTA, child care providers may be eligible for free orientation training, tuition support for early childhood academic courses, and networking opportunities, as well as other services. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Experiential Learning Scholars Program at MTSU gives students a chance to go outside the classroom and obtain hands-on experience in their chosen fields of study. 
They'll have the opportunity to give something back to the community through service learning as they gain acceptance for graduate study. Students should be able to select EXL-designated courses from major requirements and general studies requirements to complete the 16 to 18 hours of EXL coursework. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking with Ben Burnley, who is an MTSU alumnus headed for Georgetown University to pursue a doctorate in political science. Given the COVID-19 pandemic, will you be taking distance classes at Georgetown, or do you anticipate being in classrooms by that time in the fall? I have not. We've not heard officially, and it seems like universities are, are starting to make those decisions, and you, you it doesn't seem like there's necessarily consensus around what which way it's going to go. You know, I saw the California University of California system has decided to go distance learning. You're starting to see other uh, universities decide to come back. I am not sure they have not said. I'm hoping to be uh, in person, but we did do when I accepted and there was supposed to be an in-person orientation week. It had to be moved online. They did an excellent job. It was it was a wonderful. It was my first sort of Zoom experience. So I know if we have to be distance learning, if we have to be online, I think I'm going to be in good hands either way. If they go totally to distance learning, you won't have to worry about moving to the district or any of its suburbs. You'll just stay put where you are. I think we might go ahead and make the move. My wife and I, we live here in an apartment in uh, Nashville, and our lease is actually up uh, here at the end of July. So the timing of it works out perfectly. You know, it's, it's one of those situations where it feels like the chapter here in Nashville has come to a close. I think we'll go ahead and make the move. And that way, if we are uh, available to go back to classes, say quickly, we'd be ready. And I was about to say locate near a metro stop, but I don't know if the metro's run. Is the metro still running? It is running on some form of curtailed uh, service and will be on that limited service through next spring. So, um, we're actually looking right there's um, right across the river in Arlington, the Roslyn area. Because um, if worse came to worse, I could walk to campus. Um, yeah. uh, and so, um, you know, that's been an interesting part of the whole planning for a move. It's like, okay, we need to think about pandemic rules, not normal <laughs> normal life rules. You know, yeah. so. Because if, if you were just locating near Georgetown, there were all kinds of trendy shishi restaurants and bars that cater mm -hmm. to young people in that whole neighborhood, t-shirt shops, you know, whatever. And if mm -hmm. you would just be under normal circumstances, just kind of part of that community. But uh, right. I lived in uh, Arlington for two years when okay. I worked, I worked in DC and lived in Arlington right across from the Pentagon City Metro stop. You know, we're hoping to maybe go carless, maybe be able to either walk, bike, or metro everywhere. So, um, you know, I think that's one thing, you know, I, I have commuted from Nashville to MTSU for the past three years. So I'm looking forward to spending less time in my car. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it will be nice to be in a, in a metropolitan area where you have access not only to arts and culture, but also mass transportation. I can't imagine studying for a doctorate 
at Georgetown in political science and not be in the nation's capital, the epicenter of one of the most fascinating, if sometimes infuriating and frustrating periods in our political history. Absolutely. Uh, if you're physically there, even if you have to shelter in place while you're physically there, just being in that environment, I, I can't help but think, would be a benefit to your studies. I, I totally agree. That was one of the things that really drew me to Georgetown as an option, was the, the close proximity to literally every element of the government. Different schools offer different things, whether it be focuses of research or different faculty members that maybe are sort of prominent in different parts of the field. But to me, one of the draws uh, of Georgetown was the ability to be so close to so many things, whether it be, I want to go see what's going on in Congress. Does the university have a way to, to you know, get a spot in the gallery? Or, hey, someone's doing a talk at a think tank tonight. I'd love to make my way over there. I think that that is something that it feels like a whole additional um, educational amenity to going to Georgetown. So I, I'm, I'm thrilled. And, and, you know, like you said, I, I think it's going to really benefit the educational element of it. Uh, I think MTSU can be very proud of you. Congratulations on this, this wonderful opportunity. Political science major myself, 2009, class of 2009. Uh, I can't help but be a little bit envious of you, but congratulations again. And thanks for being our guest today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jenna. Have a good one. We'll be right back. Specialized training in forensic science prepares tomorrow's professionals through the Forensic Institute for Research and Education, or FIRE. The Forensic Anthropology Search and Recovery Team assists law enforcement with skeletal remains at crime scenes. Legendary forensic scientists provide lectures free to the public, and high school students work realistic crime scenes each summer at our CSI MTSU camp. I'm Dr. Hugh Berryman, Director of FIRE. For more details, visit mtsunews.com. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte Gross, WISE advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Randy Weiler has the middle moment. The MTSU Creamery will sell its chocolate and white milk at the trendy Murfreesboro Saturday Market all summer through September 26th at the Rutherford County Courthouse. MTSU Farm Laboratories Director Matthew Wade shares more. And it's something that we feel like would be very beneficial to the uh, creamery and to what we're trying to accomplish uh, with uh, getting our, our product out in front of the public into a place where they can come and purchase milk in a very neat uh, setting with all the other vendors. Our students are very excited. They're the ones that really have been kind of a catalyst for this, and they've been wanting to jump in and promote MTSU. I, I can't wait to have the students out there talking to alumni and the folks in the community. And this is really another way for alumni to reconnect to uh, MTSU. They can come out and purchase this MTSU milk, uh, talk to some current students, maybe relate some stories that they have from the past. And I think this is just going to be a really fun venue for us to offer our milk to the public. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening.
MTSU On The Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.